Always good to hear from uh, from Beswari and Meredith. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into uh, this morning's sermon. Let's pray. Our Father, I, I'm, I'm so grateful uh, for this family that you have given us here at Redemption Church and how you've brought us together this morning and, and, and week after week to... Um, Remind one another and proclaim and, and, and hear Jesus proclaimed uh, and make Jesus known to us here through each other, through all the uh, practices or, or whatever that we do on Sundays and in missional communities. Lord, I'm just thankful for how this church is making Jesus known to me uh, and, and how I see you continuing to do that through us with one another. I pray this morning that um, you would just do that. Open, open the eyes of our hearts so that we would see Jesus, that we would know Jesus, that we would uh, be transformed by Jesus. Say what you want to say to each one of us. Open our ears to hear. Uh, just have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's something that we say a lot at Redemption Church. I know you've, a lot of you have heard us say it uh, time and time again, but we say this a lot. We know that Jesus has often been misrepresented. And we're striving together to make the real Jesus known by being honest about our failures, by loving the way that he loves, by serving the city for the good of all, and inviting everyone into the family of God. That statement really says who we want to be at Redemption Church. We're not claiming necessarily to be there yet by saying that we're making Jesus, the real Jesus known. We're not claiming to be there yet, but we're striving together to know him and to make, the known, and to make known the real Jesus. But why the emphasis on like the real Jesus? What, what do we mean by that? Well, let me first say that we don't, we don't mean that we have like some special uh, knowledge of Jesus that others can't really get or, or don't have quite yet. We're not in charge of some kind of secret. However, we think it's certainly true that Jesus has often been misrepresented and that many people don't want the Jesus that they've been introduced to. Jesus has been mis misrepresented on television. He's been misrepresented in popular music, uh, he, in an academic world, and so on and so forth, in all different types of arenas. Like they, they make Jesus out to be like merely maybe a good teacher, or worse, um, a figment of the imagination. Many more, much worse things as well. But that said, truthfully, popular entertainment, academia, all those different arenas, they're not fully responsible. Jesus has been misrepresented by his own people. Jesus has often been misrepresented by the church, by Christians. That means like by you and by me. I have this memory from when I was a kid uh, I used to catch like a church bus in my neighborhood uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, and we'd, we'd go to this Methodist church up the street not too far from where we were. And I remember that in our Sunday school room at that church, there was a picture hanging on the wall of who was supposed to G be Jesus. Uh, he was a very gentle-looking white man with long brown hair and a, a nice beard. And I just remember that he was wearing like a sort of like a teal blue, like a vintage -y, teal blue robe with a red 
sash or cape or something that he, that he had, like maybe an outer robe. I don't know what you would call that garment, but that's what he was wearing in that picture. And I'd bet that that, that picture of Jesus is probably a pretty familiar picture of Jesus for all of us, Right? Like maybe the color of his robe varies, maybe, maybe it's slightly different, but when people think of Jesus, they often imagine uh, something that they may have seen like in church as a kid on a flannel board or on a video screen or, or maybe on a stained glass window. And I know that this is still out there. This is still the image that we have of him because it pops up on my Facebook feed all the time, right? I see Christians post these images of like this white Jesus with a robe and like a sash and, and a nice head of hair and, and, a, and a nice beard. And uh, often the picture comes with like some kind of claim that if I press the like button on this picture, then I will be blessed. I've even seen it say that like if I share it, it means that I love Jesus. And if I ignore it, then it means I either hate Jesus or I, I love Satan. Right? And maybe you've seen this too. Have you seen the picture uh, that's actually of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars? You know, but they try to pass him off as Jesus. And so many people fall for it because that's why it shows up on my Facebook. Somebody I know shared it, you know. What does that tell us? It definitely portrays Jesus as a joke to some. And it means that people, like church people, People who I know, people who you may know, and that we love are confronted with that image on their Facebook feed, and they think that's really Jesus, and they feel the need to share it, which demonstrates that Jesus is more akin to like a superstition than reality for many. And maybe you felt that way at times, too. But look, there's nothing in the Bible that would lead us to believe that the real Jesus either looks like that bearded white guy in the robe, nor that Jesus has anything to do with superstition. Yet that's what many are making known of him. He's either a joke or he's the equivalent of carrying a rabbit's foot or a lucky penny. And this isn't the only way that we've misrepresented Jesus as Christians. A few years ago, I interviewed several people uh, downtown and I asked them how they perceived church people. And you just listen to a few of these responses. I've shared some of these before. One person said that there are a great many Christians who just don't seem to walk the way that they talk. Another person said, well, Christians mean well, but they're awfully judgmental. And somebody else said this, which was really striking to me and stuck with me, that Christians seem so sure that they're righteous, but they don't seem to know the hell that they're creating for others. You've probably heard it before from somebody, right, that they don't want to follow Jesus because the church has failed them or hurt them in one way or another. And I think we've got to listen to that. Like, if people around us think of Jesus like as that white guy uh, with the beard and the robes who's, who's just manipulating masses of people with his deity and with his righteousness, it's probably, it's probably because they've only encountered like a very white church that has acted that way towards them. And if people think of Jesus as just like judgmental, it's probably because they've encountered judgmental Christians and they felt just judged by them, right? And if people see Christians causing others immense amount of pain and hurt, then it's probably going to be hard for them 
to see Jesus as truly loving. So we've got to see that whether we misrepresent them in these particular ways or in some other ways, it's possible that many people out there are rejecting Jesus based on our misrepresentations rather than for who he really is. We want to be a church that strives together to make the real Jesus known to each other and to our community. So we need to take a closer look at what Jesus is really like. C.S. Lewis wrote this in, in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus, which is, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Lewis was making this case that having really looked at the Jesus of the Bible, we aren't left with the option to merely like think of Jesus as a great moral teacher because he absolutely said more about who he was. So let's take a look together at Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. It's going to be up on the screen if you want to follow along, or you can open your Bible and read this with us. And this is a scene that's taken from uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say them, today, he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What did Jesus just say about him in this scene and in this action? Well, the scripture that he read from in the scroll uh, from Isaiah was understood as a, a prophecy, as a promise that God would come to save his people from sin and death, that he himself would like come out for us. So when Jesus says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, we need to understand he wasn't mixing his words. He was being very clear. He was claiming to be the son of God, the long expected savior, the Messiah. And even more clearly, in, in John chapter 4, 25 through 26, Jesus is speaking with the Samaritan woman at the well. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speaks to you am him. 
There are more instances that we could look at, but my point is just simply this. Jesus claimed to be nothing less than the Messiah, to be the Savior, to be the Lord, to be the Son of God. That's who he said he was. And he also claimed that he had come to save us who are poor, who are blind, who are oppressed, who are held captive, and to bring us into the family of God. That's the type of stuff he came to do. Jesus wasn't, and he isn't who many people think he is. He's not just a good moral teacher. He isn't a lucky charm. That isn't who he made himself out to be. And honestly, those types of things wouldn't have got him executed on a Roman cross. Right? It was his claims to be the Messiah and the Lord, to be God with us, that led to the cross. And it's not just what Jesus claimed to be, it's also what Jesus demonstrated himself to be. So we'll look again in Luke, it's in chapter 19, uh, verses 2 through 10, at another scene. It says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was a small in stature. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He, was gone, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner, they said. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. There's a claim there about who he is. But let's look at the story. Zacchaeus was... A chief, a chief of tax collectors, the scripture said. He, he was rich. And in that time, in that place, in that world, tax collectors were seen by the Jewish population as kind of the worst of the worst, right? Because they not only collected taxes from their own people on behalf of Rome, but they made a great living doing it, and they were known for cheating their own people to make that great living. They essentially were oppressing their own people in order to gain riches and power and comfort for themselves. And, and nobody wanted anything to do with a tax collector, especially a chief of the tax collectors. And this is just one story in many throughout the New Testament, but it, it demonstrates how the real Jesus like dined and he hung out with the tax collectors that nobody else wanted to hang out with, with other types of scoundrels as well. He didn't approach Zacchaeus judgmentally or condescendingly. No, he like showered him with mercy and love and it was so strong that it just immediately, utterly changed Zacchaeus and ultimately it blessed a great many more. I want to share one more story. It's from John eleven seventeen through 27. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother 
will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, you are the Son of God, who is coming into the world. If you know the rest of the story, I won't read it all to you, but Jesus brings Lazarus back to life after being in the tomb for all those days. Jesus claimed to be the Lord, and he claimed to be doing a revolutionary work. And then indeed, right, Jesus didn't merely teach like other rabbis, Jesus radically healed people. Jesus made people live who were dead and he called people to believe in him so that they would live even if they died. And then he himself died on a cross and was resurrected on the third day and he was seen by and he spent time with many people. Jesus is alive. He really is who he says he is. And he has done and is doing everything that he said he would do. And this is really good news for us. Now, before Jesus, after Jesus was resurrected, but before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his followers to go tell others about him, to go make disciples, to go make him known to others. We're still on that mission today. But sometimes Christians get so caught up in a mission to like save the world that I think we tend to lose the plot. All right? We can, we can get very caught up like in the intellectual side of things, imagining all the different debates we might ever encounter and trying to have all the answers ready for every question that we might come up against if we were to share our faith. For me, that's always been a pretty frustrating endeavor because I find that as soon as I learn like one new apologetic, I forget another. That's how it works. Like one goes in, one goes out. And so with that cycle, I'm actually never ready. I don't always ever know all the things. And so I may never actually share Jesus with anyone. We can get caught up there. We can also get caught up in the numbers game, Right? The more people we see baptized, the more people who are attending our church, the more churches we build, the more places we go. Those are all good things, right? But some of us might end up turning people into numbers. And when we turn people into numbers, people get hurt. I mean, Jesus didn't love people with a hook, you know? Zacchaeus wasn't a number to Jesus. He wasn't a debate to be won. He was, he was a person like to be with and to know and to be understood and to be loved because he was created by God and he was highly valued by God, as we all are. You know, when I read like stories like Narnia or Middle Earth or I watch those movies and then you put down the book or the, mo- the movie's over, I kind of leave like wishing I could go there, you know? wishing it was real, that I could just be a part of it. Maybe you don't like those stories. Maybe you like Hogwarts, or maybe you want to go visit uh, Neverland or something like that, some fictitious place that captures your imagination. 
And when we really look through the pages of the Bible and we take a look at who Jesus really says that he is and what he's really like and what he has done and what he's still doing, we're going to find it's enthralling, like those stories. It's captivating. He's everything our heart aches for. I believe he's everything the world is desperate for. He's everything that the world really wants to be true. And the best part about it is that it's not fiction, right? He's real. It's all real. And he's invited us to step into that reality with him. And I, I think this is pretty cool, that as we get to know Jesus for who he really is, he makes us more and more like him. Right? So we actually start to see others the way that he sees others. We start to love others the way that he loves others. We start to serve others for the good of all. We start to invite everybody into the family of God. We start to make the real Jesus known to others because we grow into here like a not yet perfect but a, a better representation of who Jesus is to each other and to the world. And that's why we say often around here at Redemption Church that we're striving together to make the real Jesus known. That's to each other and to others. Because the Bible is just like full of this message that Jesus loves each and every one of us more than we can understand or imagine. That he came and he lived and he died and he rose again to demonstrate his love and to rescue us and to redeem and restore all of creation. And we want to be a people who live in light of that. We believe it's how we'll make him known the very best. Because who we are as a church family is what the people around us will see of Jesus. For many, like, this is the only way they're ever going to know Jesus. It'll because, it's going to be because of what we say about him and what we demonstrate about him. So yes, we should be ready and willing to talk about our faith but it can't just be like getting an argument right or wrong or reaching some growth goals or building a thing for Jesus. No, we should be like constantly reminding one another of who Jesus really is, of his great love for us, of his great mercy towards all of us, of his promises to redeem and restore and make all things new in this world and of his great invitation for us to like step into it and come along with him and be made more like him together and as we're reminded of that life uh, that we've been given by Jesus we should be called again and again to be people who make him known by doing the stuff that Jesus does showing compassion and mercy humbly helping and serving others, generously giving of what we have for the good of others, using what we have to be hospitable towards others, and always pointing towards Jesus. The story that we live together ought to leave the world around us longing to step into God's great story of redemption with us. So if you're here and you're looking to, to take a closer look at Jesus for yourself, I think a good place to start would certainly be to read through one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, first four books of the New Testament. Just read through one of them with an eye for who Jesus really is and what he's really like. Maybe allow yourself to put, put down that Bible that you may have thought was like merely an instruction manual for how to live your life and pick up a story 
It could be your favorite book. And see if the real Jesus doesn't leave you wanting more of him. I'd also suggest doing it with others. It's evident throughout Scripture that God has given us one another on purpose. That we're meant to point each other to Jesus. It's it's a back and forth thing and it's good. And so you should talk about it with your family. You should share how Jesus is being made known to you with your missional community or with a close friend. If you're new here, you can get with somebody you know here or you can grab me. Like I said earlier, we're making Jesus known to others. We represent him in one way or another. For many, what we say and do will be the only look they will take at Jesus. And so we want to strive together to know the real Jesus and to make the real Jesus known as a church. So let's, let's keep doing this. Let's keep meeting together and doing life together in order to keep making Jesus known to one another. On Sundays, our worship service, uh, it's all about getting to know Jesus together. It's all about getting to know him for who he really is and making him known uh, together. And our missional communities, those are just smaller groups of people within the church who are seeking Jesus together. It's, it's really like the primary means of practicing that striving together uh, to make him known. So if you're not part of a missional community, I can't encourage you enough to get to be a part of one of them. We'd love to help you get connected. You can see, as Ashley said, Brent's at the back every Sunday, and I'll be back there as well, and we can get you connected. C.S. Lewis said that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord, and that he couldn't be regarded as just a great moral teacher. And what I want us to consider, what I want you to consider is that if you or I or, or people today see Jesus as merely a moral, moral teacher or maybe just a huge, like, Judgy McJudgerson or, or, or maybe a silly superstition or a joke or, or anything else, it might be because we've only seen him or they've only seen him through the many misrepresentations of him. But he's better than that. And I want us to see it. I want to see it more and more. He's so much better. The real Jesus loves and he serves and he brings the most unexpected of people into the family of God. And it's good. We're going to move into a time of response as we do uh, each week. The band's going to come and they're going to lead us uh, in a time of singing and worship. And then we're going to come and we're going to take communion together together. You'll be able to come down the aisle. You can take some bread and you can dip it in the wine or the juice. Um, Jesus left us this reminder. He had this last supper with the disciples and they did this and he told us to keep doing it. It's this reminder, right, of, of who he is and what he's like, that he deeply loves us, that he deeply cares for us, that he gave his body and that he gave his blood for us, to show us who he really is, to bring us into the family of God. And so as we uh, do this together, what we're doing is remembering Jesus and we're proclaiming Jesus for who he really is to one another. This is what he's like. This is who he is. This is what he's done for us. And he's alive and he's given us life and he's made us a family together. And so let's come and remember that and proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior to one another. Uh, if you're a Christian and that's something you can proclaim, we invite you to come and remember and proclaim Jesus with us. Whether you're a member at Redemption or Church or not, 
if you don't know Jesus, I want, to hear, I want you to hear what we're proclaiming. Maybe you've known him as something else, but, but he's real. And he's good. And maybe he's beyond anything you ever thought he could be. I'd love for you to just hear what we're saying. He did this for you. Would you take him? I'm going to pray for us and we'll move into that time. Our Father, you are beyond our knowledge. You really are. You're more than we can fathom. You're more than we can really wrap our head around. We never can do that. We would never get it. You're above us. You're our creator. But you made yourself known. You say in scripture, you, you've, you've made us and you've made all of creation. It all speaks of what you're like and who you are. We still don't quite get it. And then Jesus came. And he's the exact imprint of your nature. He's the word made flesh. He shows us exactly what you're like. If we look to Jesus, we know you. Because he's your God. And when we look to Jesus, we see that he stepped down from heaven. He humbled himself to give himself for us. He subjected himself to mocking and cruelty. He subjected himself to uh, hunger and to homelessness. He subjected himself to uh, a cross and death because you're merciful and you're full of compassion and you're slow to anger. Your love never fails. So Jesus rose from the grave and he's alive and he's given us life and he's made a way for us to be family. He's made a way for, to heal the brokenness between us and between us and you. And it's just incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So Lord, I just pray, I mean, we could, I could go on and on, but I just pray that if we haven't seen what Jesus is really like, that you'd make him known to us this morning. And that as we get to know you more and more, we'll make the real Jesus known as a church body. To each other and to others in our community. In order that you'll just keep inviting people into this family of God. In Jesus' name, amen.